also come to order if members can take their seats. This budget is a huge job maker, and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job. Hungry children can't learn, and it's our responsibility to try to help. Equality and opportunity. I believe most people are here because they want to do some good. Hey, welcome back to Capital Ideas. You're just in time for a brand new episode. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. This is the podcast where members of the Democratic majority in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. Today's guest is House Majority Leader Pat Sullivan. If you stick around, you'll hear him talk about what the majority leader's job involves. He'll talk about the difference between being mayor of a small city and serving in the House of Representatives. He'll talk about his role in hammering out Washington State's operating budget every two years. And mostly, we'll talk about an idea he had that the student loan industry is shackling a generation of college students with debt that they'll carry for much of their adult lives, but there has to be a better way. Stay tuned. Majority Leader Pat Sullivan represents the 47th Legislative District, and he calls Covington home. He's been Democratic Majority Leader for a dozen years now, and this is his 18th session as a state lawmaker. We talked on the Zoom Wednesday, February 23rd, and here's how that conversation went. Welcome back to Capital Ideas, House Majority Leader Pat Sullivan. It's always an honor and a pleasure to talk to you here on Capital Ideas. Well, thanks, Dan. Pleasure to be here. It's been three years this month, Pat. I just went back and looked. February 2nd of 2019 is the last time that you and I sat down for a conversation like this. And lots happened in that period of time. One thing that was happening then is still happening. Three years ago, we talked about a major piece of legislation you were sponsoring, and that concerned a low-cost college loan program for Washington State. And now it's 2022, and that's probably your major bill for this session. Fill us in on the evolution of that idea and how it's looking now. Well, in 2019, the, the, the biggest problem was trying to capitalize the fund. You know, it's in some states, they bond in order to provide the revenue in order to uh, loan out the money. Uh, but that's it's risky, and it's not something that we wanted to do here in this state. So this year, we have some one-time money that's available that can capitalize the loan program. and this seemed like the perfect year to do it. I know students who are in a great deal of debt after they graduate. In some cases, they're not able to get mortgages to buy a house because they're so straddled with debt. Uh, some even I have heard, you know, have trouble getting car loans because of the, the debt that they face upon graduation. Uh, this isn't going to solve all the problems, Dan, but I do think it will be helpful for uh, completion of a financial aid package. You know, with all the, the grants that we provide, the scholarships, uh, then a 1% loan just to kind of round out the financial aid package to allow students to graduate without a great deal of debt and a, and a very low interest rate. When we talked last, I'd done a little bit of research and discovered that the total amount of student debt nationwide was about $1.5 trillion, trillion with a T, which was almost three times the amount of credit card debt in the United States. That's a pretty staggering figure, and I Doubt it's improved a whole lot, has it? No, I, and you know, in our state, we do have the, the Washington College Grant Program is a is a great program, uh, one of the best in the country at providing grants to students. Uh, and this year, you know, through a piece of legislation sponsored by Representative Slatter, 
uh, we're going to enhance that and allow for more funds to go out to students. You know, the goal would be that there would be no student debt, but we all recognize that unfortunately that's not the case. And so uh, at the very least, if we can limit the interest so that students aren't, you know, paying out these significant, you know, anywhere from three to 15% in some cases, uh, especially for private loans that really uh, make it difficult to pay back when you're trying to, you know, get an entry level job upon graduation. A lot of this is so that so that young people can go to the University of Washington or Washington State or Eastern Washington, any of the, the major baccalaureate institutions in the state. But, but we also need carpenters and auto mechanics and nurses, people who are vital that might not want or need a four-year degree or beyond. Does your bill provide for students that might want to go to a community or technical college as well as one of the four-year institutions? It's a need-based program, uh, and, and it doesn't. It's at the CTCs or or a four-year college, uh, both. And as a matter of fact, a portion of the loan program goes to graduate uh, students as well, in high-degree programs. So, you know, trying to get additional nursing students, trying to get additional computer scientists, you know, th- th- those students will also be able to compete for the loan. That bill's made it through the House now, and it's over in the Senate. I'm sure you're engaged in some pretty intense talks with your Senate counterparts. Is it going to work out this year? Well, I, I hope so, Dan. You know, I got to continue to work to push it through the system. It, it passed out of the, the Senate uh, College and Workforce Committee yesterday, and, you know, it'll go to Ways and Means. And, you know, $300 million is a significant amount of money, but that will capitalize the fund uh, and sustain it through, through the future. You know, we'll, we're capping how much can go out per year in order to ensure that the fund is self-sustaining and that we won't have to go back to the general fund to ask for more in order to provide the the level of loans uh, that we have in the bill today. It's much like the public works assistance account, which provides uh, low interest loans to local government to build infrastructure. And as they pay back those loans, that money then becomes available for uh, new loans to new cities. So this would be very similar to a program that's already been very successful here in the state of Washington. Uh, Only this time it will be to to help students uh, get their get their degrees. There's a question I like to ask lawmakers who are working on big legislation, which is who's opposed to this? Who's standing in the way of this becoming a reality? I, and I, I haven't heard uh, much opposition. You know, I think some some banks that offer student loans, uh, obviously the private firms that offer student loans, I would rather not see this bill happen. And I think there there's concern over the use of state funds and, you know, competing with private money. But in this case, you know, that's what government is for, right? It's, it's to help people get through uh, difficult times. And for a lot of students who are struggling right now, it's, a, it's something that will help out, I think, quite a bit. We'll get back to legislation here in a minute, but I want to switch gears and ask you about your role as majority leader. What does the majority leader do? It's kind of a behind the scenes role, I think, for most of the public. Yeah, and that's one of the main reasons why I like the job. You know, I, it, it's fun to actually, you know, do things behind the scenes to help other legislators be successful. So, you know, some things, first and foremost, it's referring bills to committees, you know, which seems like a pretty straightforward thing. But, you know, for a bill to survive, in some cases, you know, the committee that it goes to can be a very important decision uh, and working with the chairs and, you know, making sure that we uh, have a pathway for bills to be successful. You know, it's, it's working with the speaker and other members of leadership to, again, work with other members to, to get their bills passed, 
especially newer members who, you know, are, are, are maybe just getting used to the process. And especially when bills head over to the Senate, sometimes they uh, lose track a little bit. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm here to do that work behind the scenes, as you suggested. I want to veer back now to a different direction entirely, which is you got into public service as a very young man, I think. And I'm just wondering, and I, I guess a lot of people might, what makes a person choose that path as opposed to being an, an engineer or an attorney or a, or a welder? What was the thing that made you get into this so early? Well, it's, it's a funny story, but when I was five years old, uh, one of my best friend's dad uh, was a school board member, very active. He later became a state representative in Michigan. And so, you know, he, he's the one that really got me interested in public service at an early age. And you were the mayor of your city. You were the first mayor of Covington, I think. What's the difference between being a legislator and being a mayor? Can, can you compare those two jobs? They're both elected posts that have a lot of responsibility, but they seem like they'd be totally different. They, they are totally different. I, I think that serving as mayor uh, in a fairly small town of around 20,000 uh, was a good experience. I think it really honed some, some of my skills as far as trying to negotiate and work with other people to get a solution. The, the one thing I missed uh, when I was mayor really was working on K-12 education issues. My first daughter was pretty young at the time and was, you know, I, I was looking at, you know, when she went to school and I wanted to make sure that the school systems were the best that they could possibly be. And that's what was missing, I think, from my time serving as mayor. And the, the thing that I really drove me to want to run for the legislature. I, I really saw at the time that K-12 was being under, underfunded. Uh, this was well before the McClurry lawsuit. And, you know, when I got here, uh, you know, I, I still believe very strongly. I'll never forget one, an interview with the Tacoma News Tribune uh, during my first election where, you know, I, I talked, you know, very, very strongly about the fact that we were under, uh, underfunding K-12 and, you know, we're, we're just around the corner from a lawsuit. It, it came quite a few years after that, but, but uh, there was a clear sense that there was work that needed to be done there. Working on the state budget has been something that you have been involved in throughout your legislative career. Describe your role there as a budget lead along with the appropriations chair, Representative Tim Armsby of Spokane. How do you guys work that? Uh, you know, we, we have actually a really strong budget team and it's evolved over the years. This is the 13th budget that I've been a part of. And, you know, in, in the early years, it was just the majority leader and the chair of the Appropriations or Ways and Means Committee. We've got a team of five members now, three vice chairs who are very strong, who, who are, have significant experience in, in a variety of areas, uh, along with myself and the chair, uh, Tim Ormsby. And I, you know, I think that that team approach really helps craft a budget that reflects a strong sense of the entire state and all the sectors of the budget that it covers. Pat, what did you want to be when you grew up? Wow, that's a... <laughs> That was a long time ago, but I think in some senses, Dan, I would say I'm still growing up. So I haven't, I haven't figured that out yet. I had a lot of teachers in my family, so probably teaching was something that I was interested in. And then like every kid, you know, being a pro athlete always was something that, you know, I wanted to do. I played baseball and tennis and enjoyed that a lot. Tell me about your district, the people that send you up here and say, Pat, 
be our voice? I love my district. You know, it's it's very diverse uh, and growing more and more diverse. You've got the cities, part of the city of Kent, part of the city of Auburn, uh, the city of Covington, a very small piece of federal way, and then some of the unincorporated areas of King County. So each area is is different. All have different needs, all have different requests. And, you know, as you go through capital budget requests, as you go through operating budget requests, and you go through legislation that might impact one over another, you know, you're always looking out for, you know, how does it fit within the entirety of the district? I remember one year there was a bill that uh, allowed for uh, community investment districts, uh, which worked really well actually for the city of Covington in one area, but didn't work as well uh, in Maple Valley. And so trying to work between those communities to make it work out, it was a lot of fun actually. And in the end, it, it worked out very well. You've now worked with two speakers of the house. Your offices are a few feet apart. What is your relationship on how you and the Speaker of the House, as the top two officials in the State House of Representatives, how do you work together and divvy up things? We work very well together. You know, I have to admit, I was a little nervous. I'd worked with Speaker Chop for so many years. I had really gotten used to that role. And so having a, a different speaker, you know, not knowing exactly how that might work, but I, I can't say how much uh, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it. You know, Speaker Jenkins has done a tremendous job. Uh, I'm just happy to help out where I can. And, you know, I think that uh, we work well together. And, you know, in, as far as sharing the tasks and the duties, uh, you know, I think it, it's worked out very well. You're about out of time here. We're at the, actually, we're two minutes overtime for your schedule today, Pat, which I realize is kind of a tight thing, but I do want to get back to the college loan program. What is next? What's the next step in this process? Well, it's, it's working with the chair of Ways and Means Committee and getting it through the Ways and Means Committee is, is the next step. And then, of course, you know, at the same time, we'll be negotiating budgets, which you know, our budget reflects the $300 million investment uh, in the student loan program. Uh, the Senate obviously does not because the, the bill hasn't gone through that chamber. So it's working both uh, to get the bill through the process, but also working to get that funding into the budget. At this point, I really do have to let you move on with your day. But before you go, is there anything else that uh, you would like to talk about that I haven't asked you? Uh, no, Dan, I just appreciate the opportunity to, to be on the podcast and uh, always enjoy talking to you. That's totally mutual, Pat. I, I really hope we get to do that in person one day soon. I hope so too. I think we're, you know, we're bringing back more members each, each week. We're kind of adding to who can be on the floor and, and who's down in Olympia. So hopefully toward the end, you know, we'll be able to celebrate a little more in person. I'm looking forward to that. You stay healthy in the meantime. And once again, I've been speaking with House Majority Leader Pat Sullivan, and this is Capital Ideas. Thank you, Pat. Hey, you bet, Dan. See you later. Those are some capital ideas, don't you think? If you feel like the last 14 minutes were good ones, you really ought to subscribe to Capital Ideas. It's free and it's available wherever you like to get your podcasts. This is your state government and what happens here matters. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you and for everyone. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thank you for your time. Thank you.